Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're so glad you're with us today. You know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And if you've been our listeners, we've been doing this now for 14 years, and we always have great guests who can bring little tips, tools, things that can not only make you better, but if you're leading a team or leading your family, that you can do a few things differently. And we like to call those micro-initiatives. What are the few things that doesn't take much time but can have a macro impact? And today we're uh, talking with a former frontline civil servant who's going to talk about how emotional intelligence fits into his global efforts. And we'll give his full intro in a minute. But Robert uh, Berzenchek, and I want to make sure I get that right, Berzenchek, Robert Berzenchek, and we'll give you his uh, bio, but I think it'll be very engaging conversation, especially dealing with law enforcement and things that are going on currently today. And you know uh, my co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, who she and I have been doing this for 14 years. And Kathy and I have a new book, Emotional Brilliance, that we have a platform and, and you can go to emotionalbrilliance.com and there's a seven-day free trial and we're also going to have some free uh, templates that you can you know, immediately download. And Kathy has the author of nine books, including What Happy Companies Know, What Happy Mothers Know, and Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus Now. And she's done an incredible work with law enforcement and our special forces. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Riley. I'm very excited to be here today. We have, um, I think, a very interesting um, and unique show today uh, focused on the, the work uh, of an individual who actually calls himself a, um, you know, a, a person who's been on the front line of service. But I think Bob's history uh, and his current focus are, are much deeper, uh, and I hope he'll reveal some of that as we go through uh, the program today. Um, and his spouse is a very interesting person as well. Um, So we'll uh, have an engaging conversation with Bob. Uh, One of the things I just want to make sure that we remind our audience um, to take a look at is our new e-learning platform, the Emotional Brains Academy. And there's lots of bonuses, um, and I would call it free enrichment (laughs) if you're open to absorbing more. And we realize that everybody is back into the swing of doing in-person, you know, frontline training, uh, but uh, as we now go into, um, you know, a second wave here in, boy, the late uh, back end of 2021, um, it's pretty clear that um, e-learning is still going to be a mainstream opportunity for most people and a safe one. So we encourage you to go to emotionalbrilliance.com. If you're a law enforcement professional, please go to ebguardians.com. And if you're a Department of Defense or military professional, ebwarriors.com. 
So, uh, of course, many of you know my wonderful co-host, Dr. Raleigh Nadler, who is a uh, a very, uh, I want to say, um, I want to get rid of the word very, he's a tier one leader in emotional intelligence around the world. Uh, He has uh, many, many books, uh, which include a focus on emotional intelligence from many vantage points, whether it's from uh, team training uh, to leadership to uh, healthcare uh, and across many industries. We've worked together uh, for almost 15 years now, and the show is um, still going strong after all these years, uh, as are Relly and I. And as you know, Relly is a wonderful trainer uh, and executive coach. So, um, Relly, I guess we can jump right in here. All right, let me say something about Bob uh, Brzezinczyk. And so he is the founder or owner of Delaware. It's a Delaware-based nonprofit. It's called Berzenchek Foundation Corporation. The mission is to be a global change agent to empower communities through advocacy, training, consulting, and philanthropy. Uh, Mr. Berzenchek, or Bob, or we'll call him, currently hosts his own podcast with a focus on social justice, criminal justice reform, and that's called Injustice Anywhere is a Threat to ju- Justice Everywhere. So that'll be something we'll ask him about that and the reach. He's published two gang books uh, you know, about gangs. One is The Gang Life, Laugh Now, Cry Later, Suppression and Prevention. That was in 2017. And then uh, a more recent one in 2020, Transation, uh, Transnational Organizational Crime and Gangs. So it looks at intervention, prevention, and suppression of cybersecurity. Uh, and he's also done multiple articles on gangs, emergency management, homeland, international security, cybersecurity. He's pursuing his Ph.D. with research on uh, gang unit officers' experience, so a really uh, special niche for those folks who are uh, in working in depth with gangs. And he's intervened with various gangs, ranging from MS-13, the Bloods, the Crips, Latin Kings, uh, and also in his capacity of a law enforcement uh, official. Uh, his website, and we'll bring him on, is www.robertberzenchek, I'll spell that, and Berzenchek is B-R-Z-E-N-C-H-E-K, B-R-Z-E-N-C-H-E-K. K.com, and you can find more of his stuff. So, Bob, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Uh, greetings from Florida, where we just had a benefit event in West Palm Beach. Uh, we're at an art studio. We're emerging law enforcement and troubled youth in an art studio. So, I'm um, in the Sunshine State and, and happy to be on air. That's great. Now, where do you we're happy to have you. So, Bob, we always like to start out our program uh, giving our audience a little bit of an opportunity to get to know you uh, more personally uh, as much as we can right from a voice. But um, can you tell us a little bit about who influenced you and the direction that you've taken uh, in terms of calling yourself a frontline civil servant uh, and how that fits into your current work? So who's influenced all of that in your life? Well, you know, 
if you've watched the movie The Irishman, uh, uh, the grandfather's side of the family was uh, related to the Buffalino, so I have some of that lineage in my line, but I also know that I wanted to serve and protect. Uh, so I saw the other side and how that was and didn't want any part of it. So I got a front row seat because once people ask me what I know about gangs, well, a little thing called Buffalinos. Um, and then also working that as a frontline officer in D.C. and South Carolina. Uh, the reason why I said I'm a frontline servant, um, I did leadership books there in my hometown, the home of Kids for Cash. Unfortunately, we're known for a whole bunch of fraud in Luzerne County. So I know the other side, seeing that front row seat, and that's one of the reasons why I branched out into D.C. and South Carolina. Um, you either paid somebody or do somebody to get a job in my hometown, and to the present day, it's still that way. So I got a front row seat to fraud, and and I know that, I want to serve society and the community in a better way, and that's why I call my, myself a frontline servant. How long, how long were you a law enforcement uh, officer? Uh, a total of 15 years. I uh, also did a, a Navy intelligence stint uh, at both uh, Merida, Georgia, and, and uh, Andrews Joint Base. So had all the civil servant time together, 15 years. Wow. Well, you and Kathy are going to so have... So, Bob, tell us a little bit about um, what you want our viewers to know uh, and perhaps how that led into the books that you write. Yeah, I mean, if you've watched the movie The Irishman, that gave me a front-row seat to all the content that you see in my current book. In Chapter 3, I outlined the family lineage and, and how I dissuade, uh, dissuaded myself from joining that family lineage in, in the mafia. Uh, but uh, it just inspired me because I saw people in need. I saw people on the community circuit, uh, policing, community policing 101, talking with folks. I got a frontline perspective of the community needs. And, you know, I have to tell you, that's one of the things that inspired me to write books. It's an educational tool for the community to understand and have an insight into exactly what's happening. Because I could tell you, Dr. Greenberg, you know, I've actually talked with people in the military, and I've talked to people who serve the military, the YMCA, others, and a lot of folks don't know there's gangs in the military. And it's, it's really alarming to me that a lot of folks don't know that. Uh, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable conversation. However, it needs to be said. And just because you don't, you're uncomfortable with it, you need to talk about it. And so that inspired me to write books because it's an educational tool. I actually have a Russian mafia member in my book who merged MS-13 in the early 2000s who washed out of the Coast Guard Academy purposely on five times to get the tactics, tools, and techniques and bring it back to his group. Those are things wow. that you're not going to hear every day on the street. You're going to hear that in my book or see that in my book. Right, right. And let me just um, give our audience some context of both Bob and Relly for their understanding as we go through our conversation. So, you know, we talk about emotional intelligence and our, our latest subject, right, emotional brilliance. And what Bob and I have in common is not only our upbringing coming from the other side of the uh, law enforcement community, but also um, avoiding that life and in addition to that understanding that um, actually the northwest part of the United States is one of the largest entry, entry points uh, for 
criminals coming through our military, literally uh, becoming members of our military, uh, just through you know going into a recruiter's office and signing up. Uh, they learn everything they can uh, about our tactics and our strategies. Then they go back into the criminal element, um, kind of as mercenaries, if you will, training the rest of the criminal element that wants to practice assault and uh, sniper types of behaviors, of course, not at the level that we know them, but they still learn enough to be able to uh, to thwart uh, our counterinsurgency efforts, whether it's in the city or whether it's uh, in, you know, national theaters. So what Bob is talking about is a really important element because we have people using emotional intelligence, if you will, if you will, as a, uh, a strategy uh, to aggregate information and uh, to uh, pass along to others for criminal purposes. Bob, how did I did I do a pretty good synopsis there? Dr. Greenberg, 100% spot on, and I could tell you that fits right in relationship management, self-awareness, self-management, and social awareness, all key components of EQEI. And, you know, that's what these groups do. They're all about money, power, and respect, and they understand that. And they have, they're socially aware, they're self-aware, and what they're going to do is they're going to go for anything when it comes to money. Some of these groups have banded, and the groups that I talk about are domestic. Bloods, Crips, Latin Kings, whatever it might be, they actually all band together. There, there's no allegiance. They band together for money. And some of these groups have actually banded together with ISIS and Al-Qaeda. And that's a pretty scary thought. That's a clear and present danger to our national sovereignty. So, I mean, this is pretty fascinating, Bob, and I think we're getting the inside story, and, you know, Kathy's been in that, that world, too. You know, so just a question. So these defining moments, like what made you, you were in that world, like you said, you had a front row seat. What turned you around? Like is there a defining moment, or maybe it's many moments, like, what turned you around to say, okay, I could go that way, but then again, I choose not to? Yeah, you know, and that's, that's part of the self-awareness process that we're talking about with EI. And I became self-aware when I was in college. I was playing college football at East Drowser University, small D2, D2, uh, D2 school in the Poconos. And I was interning like a champ. I interned with a public defender's office in a county up there, a district attorney's office a state representative, and the United States Secret Service. Like, I really wanted to figure out what I wanted to do with my degree, my criminal justice, political science degree. And going through those opportunities and those internships really gave me a front row seat into the other side, which is criminal justice. And I wanted to be a part of that. It was really something that I felt that I really didn't see myself in that other world. I felt myself... So I I feel that I learned in leadership books, that I'm a servant leader. And I've always been part of the leadership uh, triangle, so to speak, in different capacities, whether it be in football, uh, police world, uh, even even in, within the classroom. I'm an adjunct. I'm a criminal justice professor. I feel that I am serving the next generation of criminal justice professionals. And to me, that's a higher calling because it's more quintessential in society for all the other folks in society to benefit from as opposed to me being part of the underworld. Yeah. So, so Bob, as Bob, you uh, uh, continue to, yeah, as you continue to uh, engage our audience in this subject, 
Can you tell us a couple of stories uh, about um, the the kind of emotional intelligence our gang members use to infiltrate our own law enforcement? Yeah, I mean, uh, really, it, this goes back to the Vietnam era, hearts and minds. You know, you really get in the hearts and minds of, of kids. And I hate to alarm everyone out there in preschool, in elementary school. These OGs, original gangsters, get into preschool and elementary school, starting to influence them with iPads with what we call hype videos. So if it's the Bloods, it'll be Little Wayne and a rap video with a whole bunch of cool things that kids will like, bright and shiny objects. Oh, this is cool. This is the life that I want to get into. So they will entice them. MS-13, they'll have barbecues, actually literally uh, tailgating to recruit people to come into MS-13 at soccer games. So, again, this is hearts and minds getting into our youth and getting into their mindset. So self-awareness, social media, social awareness, what's going on? Oh, well, your government wronged you, so let's, let's, let's springboard off that. You know, right now, if you look at Tabeek, um, there is a, a magazine out there and Inspire that literally recruits disenfranchised African Americans who have military training that they feel that they can hone in and get the hearts and minds because the government has wronged them in some way. So... A lot of these gangs hone in on that and use social awareness. And, and, and in the EI process, a number of different things that do the heart and mind process of self-management. You know, some of these kids are impulsive, and they go off of that impulse. They want somebody who's very impulsive. You know, self-awareness. Some of these kids don't even know how to tie their own shoes because they don't know or they don't even own shoes. So these OGs come in and go, here's a pair of shoes. This is how you do things. So they think they're their father figure, because some of them don't have father figures present. The family structure is really key, and that is really eroded here in America today. I hate to say that. So who becomes the family structure? The gangs. Well, we're going to go to a break, Bob, so don't you, like, don't, lose that enthusiasm because we're going to use it to apply to the rest of the show. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech, like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech. For those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. 
How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with a top performer. Uh, really around being a civil servant and criminal justice, um, Bob Brzezinczyk. And uh, Bob has something called the Brzezinczyk Foundation Corporation. And so, Bob, tell us a little bit about that. And what I love hearing is how you're already integrating our sweet spot, you know, around emotional intelligence. And So tell us a little bit about that, the mission that you have and, and it, in any way that we can get that out to our audience. Yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And as I said at the top of the hour, we had a benefit event uh, in West Palm Beach yesterday where at Zero Empty Spaces, we collaborated with them and Coco, the artist, where we are getting a program called the Art Oasis Program off the ground where we're going to launch it in South Florida, Philadelphia, and Chicago, where we're getting that dialogue that needs to be created between law enforcement and troubled youth. So by which... Both will have conflict resolution through Coco the Great. Uh, she goes by that. She's a former Army sniper, so I'm going to call her the Great. Um, she, uh, she actually was trained in motivational interviewing and conflict resolution, so we're going to have her be the lead artist where we're going to get law enforcement and troubled youth in the same room creating art, creating the dialogues, but also at the same time, both are getting conflict resolution. Having been a first responder, there's a lot of conflict that we deal with and trauma. And to some extent, some folks have said PTSD. So all I can tell you is getting in an art studio is very therapeutic. Although cops don't want to hear therapy, the word therapy, we're going to use conflict resolution. Uh, Our foundation is quintessential in getting underserved communities globally the resources that they need. So, for example, the Badlands of Kensington in Philadelphia, a lot of those folks don't know there's another world out there. They may have not been outside of their block. What we try to do is get into their community and 
have like minds, people who are former gang members, talking with people who are current gang members to get them out, to intervene. In addition to that, getting into elementary schools, preschools, whatever it may be, and giving backpacks away, giving them resources that they otherwise may not have that the gangs exploit. So if they don't have uh, financial mainstays in their family structure, if they have a family structure, we try to provide those resources so the gangs are not the supplier for them because the gangs exploit that and want them to join their ranks. So we do that domestically. We also do this globally. Uh, I'm working with the Ministry of Defense on their gun and gang violence issues. I'm ramping them up on what to see, what to look out for, and what are the best practices to mitigate what they are seeing because a number of different, just for example, Philadelphia gangs um, who are Jamaican are getting deported because they may have um, expired their visas. They're getting the tactics they learned in America and decimating Jamaica, the island, because the constabulary doesn't know how to handle this. So those are things that we do. We, we get in the communities. We work with stakeholders such as government, uh, state and local governments also, to give them best practices of what we see, what we hear, what we know, and also utilize our platform, uh, my book, and the folks that are in it. You know, I have a Russian mafia member. He, he, know, he pretty much knows. I pick him up, pick the phone up, and I pick, uh, call him and say, hey, what's going on? And he give me intel on everything down to my hometown of what's happening. Um, I have a former FBI agent in that book, worked the Santorini case. Um, I have a former Army sniper. I have a special operations commander in this book. So I have, in other words, with this foundation, I have a network that I can network folks who need resources and give them the educational tools and give them the resources globally to be productive citizens in society. So, Bob, one of the things that I just want to uh, remind our audience of are some of the wonderful people that you know as well, Bob, who've been uh, on our show talking about this issue. One of them is uh, Deacon Santos, who was a former undercover detective for gangs in the New Jersey area, uh, who became a deacon. And oddly enough, he was doing a funeral for the Latin Kings. And as he stands on the podium over one of the gang members, of course, the gang in the audience is looking up at him like, dude, you're not, like, fooling us. Like, we know who you are. And he basically had to take them aside and say, look, I don't do that work anymore. I'm actually a religious leader. And if you don't sit the you-know-what down, <laughs> I'm going to have all of you arrested. <laughs> so, you know, oh, absolutely. it's funny how we right, had these connections. And then, of course, Father Michael Mannion, who's well, well-known for helping to... Uh, you know, avoid domestic uh, and, and violent crimes uh, in Camden as a result of, of the gangs. But, Bob, just to reinforce what you're saying for our, our, our listeners, the recent murders in Haiti are a direct result of these kinds of criminals. And it's well known uh, that, that that is the case, and we are still looking for the perpetrators. But, you know, I'm just trying to give our audience an understanding of how emotional intelligence, uh, when it is misused, can be a weapon uh, against us, but we can also use it as our first primary weapon of defense. And uh, in teaching our law enforcement professionals all about how this works, how emotional intelligence works, reality testing, impulse control, problem solving, decision making, as a result of getting the right sleep, 
the right nutrition, the right love, the right family members, the right environment around you, they have heightened awareness, which will give them the emotional intelligence they need to thwart some of these criminals. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that, you know, in the process is relationship management. And that's what uh, both law enforcement and the gangs do well. You know, I was a former police officer. And what we did was we managed folks in the community. It was about relationships. And if we didn't have relationships with the community, they weren't talking to us. And that's as simple as it is. Uh, I could simply tell you here, we went from call to call to call in our nation's capital. Uh, and I wish I had more time and, and have more empathy for some folks that I was taking calls for. But we were all about going from, you know, in the sector, call to call. I wanted to take the time that I, I had afforded to me in South Carolina where I was actually able to make an impact in the youth's life. I was able to sit down with the mom, the dad, have barbecues. I didn't have that time. And a lot of law enforcement folks out there can empathize with that because what you're trying to do is when you get a beat call, you got to go to it. You got to answer the call and it's next on to the next scene. And I hate to say it that way, but that's exactly what the problem is. If we had more time to mitigate circumstances, we probably wouldn't see escalation in some situations. Now, in terms of being, uh, you know, emotionally fit mentally and physically, that's quintessential. I can tell you categorically, I knew a lot of cops, to include myself, uh, later on in my career where we, we, we didn't work out. We didn't take care of ourselves mentally and physically, and there were short fuses to be had. Uh, I was in a, a roll call room in D.C., no word of lie. Somebody, there was a fist fight over a, a sector car because we were assigned different, either a mounted unit, uh, we were training everything, or a bicycle or a motorcycle, or uh, a police vehicle. And eight, each day we got to sign something different. And there was literally a fist fight because these two gentlemen, they were, they're, they were heightened. They were heightened because their blood pressures were up because they didn't take care of themselves. Uh, they didn't sleep. They didn't eat. They didn't work out like they were supposed to. Uh, we called them rods, retired on duty. I mean, they were literally a threat to the community they were serving. And I was hoping that they would go on a desk, but how do you make that conversation? You don't. Um, you could take them aside, but I could tell you it's very, very quintessential for all our law enforcement folks out there. Take the time. Step back. You're there for the community. You know, it's not the other way around. Take care of yourself. If you have something going on at home, do not take that out on a person that you were interacting with. Right. It's, you know, we had an old adage. Pop, piss off the police. Okay, you're going to do that. I'm going to give you a ticket. Well, that's not the way it should be. You shouldn't be in that phase. You should be relaxed. I understand there's heightened situations. When somebody pulls a gun, you're not going to be relaxed. I get that. But when you're interacting with a citizen taking a police report, you don't have to escalate situations. And so I've been on both sides of the coin, and I learned through the years that it came back to self-awareness, self-fitness, and mental awareness. So, so Bob, say a little bit about this, what you're saying. You know, we know, and Kathy and I working in the emotional intelligence world, you know, the last 25 years or so, self-awareness, you're talking about self-control um, or impulse control, and it's hard to um, do both of those self-control when you're, you know, reactive or sometimes hijacked 
um, what you know, what are some of the things that it does, does sound like you bring a lot of self awareness, you know, about what's going on on the self control side when someone's in the heat of the action. What are some of the things that that your group maybe helps educate them about? Because we know from that what's called that state dependent learning, you really have to be able to retrieve that knowledge, um, and you have when you learn it. You're in one state, and when you retrieve it, you want to be in a similar state. If you learn it in a classroom, it's hard to retrieve it when you're hot and heavy, you know. So what kind of things do you do around that kind of self-control, impulse control, that people can, you know, have hands-on skills for? Yeah, well, you know, just to reiterate, number one, and now I'll expand upon it, is take care of yourself first. Because you're, and I was told this in South Carolina when I was a rookie, and I was going 85 miles an hour with lights and sirens in rural South Carolina to a domestic violence call. And, you know, I got into an accident because someone didn't heed my lights and my siren. And the guy's like, the sergeant's like, what did you do? I said, well, I had my lights and sirens on. He goes, well, obviously you were going pretty fast rate of speed. I couldn't lie. I told him I was going 85. He goes, you're no good to anybody dead. So you need to take control of the situation, even on your way to the scene. And that's really what I would impart my knowledge to folks out there. You're no good to anybody if you're going to be that firecracker or that powder keg in any situation. So you may, you may as well not be there. Yes, it's your job. But if you're going to do that, like I, I did that, you know, I, I didn't wind up going to the Damascus violence call. So I wasn't able to service that those folks. So God knows what happened after that. So that's number one. You know, take control of your situation yourself. Understand yourself. Beyond that, um, what I would advocate for our law enforcement partners or agencies is to have hands-on training. Because in simulations, it's one thing to be in a classroom. You just sit there. You look at the board. You talk. That's great, but simulations work well. And one of the things that we also did was if there was somebody that was on the beat in South Carolina that had multiple calls, uh, you know, for domestic violence, and they were really high-end trauma situations, the sergeants realized that, hey, this guy needs a break. So what they would do is take people off shift and identify those particular individuals because they would read the reports and have them take a trip to, uh, we were in the upstate in South Carolina in Spartanburg, take a trip to Columbia, about two, three hours, to do a prison transport. We were road patrol, but however, we would take people from the prison, and so for like a two or three hour, uh, you know, ride, we were able to see, you know, the, the skyline of, so to speak, South Carolina, and decompress. So you need to work with your, your, your brass or your command to have them understand that sometimes these are the things that we need to do to de-escalate and, and be that better police officer for the community. That's so important, Bob, because uh, we are, you know, we do a lot of um, speaking right now with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, and um, I know you're a big advocate of many of the well-being um, I'll just say, practices that are required for law enforcement. And isn't it interesting, and I want our audience to think about this, you know, we mandate pilots have X number of hours of downtime after X number of hours of flight, right? How many times have we heard that we're going to get a new crew 
And, of course, we all get exhausted from the idea that we're going to sit there on the tarmac waiting. But the reality is the uh, regulations, right, for somebody flying us in a plane uh, have no impact on a human being who's supporting us uh, in our community. And you'd think that there'd be regulations that would provide for a law enforcement professional or any first responder uh, being forced to take downtime. But in fact, it's not the case. They're being forced to do double time or triple time, especially in today's VUCA environment. So, um, you know, really, you and I know so much about how emotional brilliance uh, can impact the lives of, of everyone in the community and the police that are supporting them. Uh, and it's so important for our audience to understand at whatever level they're operating, whether it's in corporate America, one-on-one, life counseling, you know, any kind of coaching, that they recognize the importance of these kinds of dynamics. And I think Bob really brings to bear for law enforcement professionals and special operations professionals how we need to maintain our work-life balance uh, in today's climate. So, Bob, can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on the state of law enforcement today, given uh, what's going on, and um, and possibly some commentary on what's going on right now in the Middle East. It's uh, it's certainly been an interesting 48, 72 hours. Yeah, absolutely. I've been, uh, you know, abreast of all the situations and uh, having been part of the, the intelligence community and law enforcement community, you know, I, I really... I really am I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, how we're going to, as America, be able to handle the tide, the upcoming tide, because there will be one. Um, you oh, know, yeah. I'll first start with law enforcement. You know, you touched upon it. You know, there's cops or police officers that have to work double shifts because guess what? There's not a lot of people joining the ranks because of what we see in social media. And furthermore, there's a lot of police officers that are not pulling their weapons out or doing things because they're afraid to do their job. And that is no way to be in law enforcement. We saw it in Chicago. Uh, There was a police officer that did not pull out their weapon because they felt that they were going to be, you know, uh, in an internal affairs or, or worse, in a murder trial. Um, you know, as a law enforcement officer, you should be able to do your job. Uh, what we saw in Minneapolis did not help anything. Uh, I, I And even the chief and everybody else in the law enforcement ranks agree that that was not proper procedure. However, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch. Not every police officer is like that. And unfortunately, what's being cast in social media and in the news is that every law enforcement officer is that way. And we are really not. We love the community. There are some people, like any other career, that are bad apples, but not everybody should be lumped into that bunch. Do we need better training in some instances? Sure. But it's like you go to IBM, go to Apple, go to any corporation. There is always pitfalls. How we need to train and, and, and expect our officers to act because of this climate, it's unreal. Um, you are still doing absolutely. the job. You're serving. Yeah, absolutely. You're serving and We're protecting. A, yeah, I was just going to say, Bob, just uh, hold that thought. We're going to come back to that energy as soon as we take a quick break. Don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Come right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having an enlightening conversation with Bob uh, Berzenchek, and you can uh, get a hold of him. And Bob, maybe I'll have you share your uh, podcast also. But his website is uh, www.robertberzenchek, uh, which is b r z e n c h e k dot com. What's the and what's your maybe say a word about your podcast, and then we'll zero back in into you know, where we are today and what you think we need to do for training for our folks. Yeah, my podcast is Injustice Anywhere is a Threat to Justice Everywhere, and that's really what it's about. I mean, it's not my words, it's Martin Luther King's, and that's really what it is. If there is a threat to our criminal justice system, social justice apparatus, um, it's everywhere. It's not just in one area, as we see in, in social media. So I have different guests on from different facets of criminal justice, from mental health uh, to, you know, law enforcement leaders to intelligence folks. Uh, the real, you know, folks who can keep up with the text and the trends of both social justice and criminal justice system alike. So maybe follow up on what you're saying about kind of, the, you know, what do you think needs to happen for our law enforcement? You were talking about training. You were talking about simulations. You know, what, what are the things that, you know, if you had your magic wand, you would make sure we had in place? Yeah, I mean, I would first, and we both know, all of us on the line here, this is not going to happen overnight, but we need to really have an educational campaign, really, that not all law enforcement officers are, like what we've seen in Minneapolis and other areas where we've had concerns. Uh, they really are, you know, salt to the earth. You don't get a lot of money. You really, it's a, it's a calling. It's in your blood. Uh, we would like to have a one with a PR campaign. And you know what? 
These folks in the news and the social media, they have their PR campaigns to defund the police and other things. Why can't law enforcement have that, too? Which is, we are good people. We are here to serve and protect you. This is what we're about. How could we help you? That's why they're there. And if I had a magic wand, that's what I would do. I would have a public relations campaign blitz to outweigh what's going on with defund the police and everything out in society as we see right now. So uh, I was waiting for Kathy to jump in there. Um, is that some of what your group is doing? I mean, at first, as you were saying that, that's exactly what I was thinking about the PR campaign, you know, and hearing those stories, uh, positive stories. Um, is your group involved in, in in doing some of the training also? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we offer, and that's what, you know, we're about. We're, we're about... At providing educational tools for people who need it. As I said at the top of the hour, you know, I work with the Ministry of Defense on their gun and gang violence issues and how to mitigate the, the gang members that are coming back from America into their right. their turf, so to speak. I've been down in Mexico. I've talked with uh, police there, and believe it or not, they wanted to be educated on the gangs in America. So, you know, one of the things that we don't really talk about is the northern border. That is a, an open border that a lot of folks don't really focus on. And we have outlaw motorcycle gangs. We have a lot of people running drugs through their fentanyl. That's one of the most open borders. That's actually the longest open border in the world. And that is where most of the drugs, weapons, and everything else are coming through. Yes, wow. that's coming through uh, Mexico. But I, I tell you right now, if we don't ratchet down the northwest border or the border in general to Canada, we're really going to go over to the fentanyl, meth, and addiction of opioids like you have never seen, uh, to include weapons. Uh, we have stockpiles in the south side of Chicago, because I've been in Ground Zero. I was there about two, three weeks ago. There's crates, crates of MP5s and automatic weapons being dropped in the middle of south side of Chicago. By whom? We don't know. But we do know the gun and gang violence issue in Southside Chicago is through the roof and in Chicago in general. Well, if you drop a weapon in front of somebody who needs it, like a gang member, well, you're going to see a lot of gang and gun violence issues. So we need to stop these things. We need to work with our partners. And what I do is I get in the classroom. I get in the community. I do benefit events. We were on uh, WPTV in West Palm Beach. They gave exposure to our Art Oasis program. We have a media blitz campaign, but we also get in with the folks who need the training. I train law enforcement. I train military. I've done military briefings for people who are going overseas. I did it to the military uh, less than two years ago. National Defense University, the Marines, the Navy, uh, on being solicited by outlaw motorcycle gangs. Because if you've ever seen the movie The American Gangster, Bumpy Johnson, where they were bringing heroin back in Vietnam, back into Harlem, using military resources, that's real. That's happening as we speak. And uh, I think Dr. Greenberg touched upon it at the top of the hour, too. You know, there's different gangs that say, okay, you don't have a felony, you don't have a felony, and the gang leaders will tell the people who just joined up, you're going to go in the Marines, you're going to be a sniper. You're going to be in the Navy, you're going to be a cybersecurity specialist. You're going to go to the Air Force, you're going to be an EOD specialist. And they're going to bring those tactics back to the street. So I educate folks in and out of the classroom as to what the threats are, but also how to mitigate them. So, Bob, in the last 
few minutes that we have uh, on the show, where can any of our colleagues uh, in the coaching industry, uh, in the security industry, in law enforcement, public safety, where can they learn more about you? Yeah, I, I have my website, um, but I also get out there on social media, you know, www.robertbrzenchek.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I love using LinkedIn. It was interesting conversations that you had about that, that on the break about LinkedIn. Um, somewhat more vetted, uh, more professional in some respects. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I get out there in the community. I'll be at the Union League. In Philadelphia, January 2022, giving a brief to West Point Naval Academy and other folks in the military at the Union League about my book, about our new film project. We're going to make our uh, book into a film. I'm working with Lisa Regina, who's a director out of New York City, to make our book into a film. And uh, that will raise awareness, too. Uh, This is an innovative program that she has where veterans actually work behind the scenes. They're the grips, they're the cameramen, whatever. So I'm a big proponent of military and law enforcement. So it's as simple as making a phone call to me, making an email to me, um, and let's talk. You know, my number is 202-677-5664, and my number is always open for military or law enforcement. Super. So uh, let me just ask a couple of um, just uh, administrative questions in addition to contacting you. So you say that you have resources uh, that you share uh, with public safety professionals, uh, whether they're law enforcement or DOD. And um, I assume that these are individuals who are comfortable uh, being known in the public domain. Yes. Uh, For example, Colonel Josh Potter, who's in my book, he was a special operations commander for uh, transnational organized crime in Tampa. He just recently reached out to me and said, anything you need, brother. And that's really what this is about. We gave a presentation over two years ago in Boca Raton about utilization of drones or UAVs by gangs. And these folks will come forward, and he actually put content out when he was a sitting commander for that unit in Tampa because he felt it was quintessential that the community out there understands what's actually going on and tracking finances, and especially with the, you know what's happening with uh, uh, Afghans, the Taliban, you know, tracking down terrorists, because that's what his unit did through monetary mainstays, uh, whatever it may be. And I do have folks that will come forward and absolutely share information that the lay person doesn't have access to. Super. So say a little bit, Bob, but we're just going to end in a moment, but anything you kind of see going on, in, you know, with Afghanistan, and, and it sounds like, you know, the news is coming out really just about how the military, the Afghan military just kind of surrendered, and, and we're, like you're saying, the sense of belongingness and security, we're, we're getting money when they weren't even getting paid, we're, so we're getting money from the Taliban. But any quick thoughts you have on that? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to get promised, uh, you know, sainthood, so to speak, in their world and their ideologues and, and a wife and given money and you don't have money, you're going to take it. And that's this, no different between being a domestic gang 
or being in the Taliban. If you don't have the means and mainstays and socioeconomic opportunities and, and someone's providing it to you, no matter who they are, you're going to go with them. And that's what we see in Afghanistan. That's why the Taliban's winning. Um, you know, it's, it's fallen. And, and I'm absolutely shocked being from, uh, you know, just 20 minutes south of where Biden's from, that this, he let this happen on his watch. Whether it was instigated by Trump initially, I can't believe that this happened. Because if you talk to any military member who's ever served, this is absolutely the definition of insanity. We needed to have that stopgap measure in place in Afghanistan because I hate to say this, and, you know, I, t- I said at the beginning of the hour, ISIS and al-Qaeda bunk in and have worked with domestic gangs. In 2004, a top al-Qaeda lieutenant met with MS-13 in Washington, D.C. Check out the post, Washington Post. It's right in there. They met and said, hey, how can we work together? This is a clear and present danger that, unfortunately, we're going to see more terrorist activities here in the United States. Yep, it's well, a compelling argument yeah, for know, why we all need to uh, recognize data, uh, why emotional actually, I'm intelligence. I'm really glad that you're able to, you know, you're on the front line, you know, as as we are, and Kathy, especially, to you know, bring about some uh, big changes. Yeah, I mean, you're both correct in what you're saying. You know, this this is something, and this is what we always do. We try to mitigate having wars on our soil, and I hope that this this does not happen. But we've seen time and time again where we have been penetrated by Russia, China, and others through cybersecurity. I mean, that is an act of war. That was short of an act of war, according to Biden, but it was actually an act of war, where you have a Russian gang, and nothing gets through Russia without Putin's approval. And this is just my speculation and approval on, on just opinion. This Russian gang was sanctioned by Putin to hack our cyber, infra- or our cyber infrastructure to take down the oil system. Well, what better way to disrupt America? Take our infrastructure down. So we had the largest naval operation globally in 40 years, and I don't think this is coincidence, less than two weeks ago. I was on the Donovan Report, and they asked me about that, and we had two other pundits that were speaking about it, and I just went in and said, we're the most vulnerable country in the world in terms of cybersecurity. And I, I know that through my circles in cybersecurity because I also talk with an Air Force official. You know why we're the most vulnerable? Because we're the most attacked and hated throughout the world for one reason or another. Well, it's been great having you on the show, Bob, and we will revisit this uh, set of issues related to emotional intelligence in the future. We hope our Listeners will go to your website and learn more about you and bring their, uh, you know, bring their needs to you if they have them. Uh, Relly, uh, we always love sharing our emotionalbrains.com. Thanks, Bob, so much. And then for our listeners, you know, continue to tune in to tune up your performance and what kind of tips and tools you can bring to your team, to your family, your people. Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed Hello? the program today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to tune up your emotional intelligence. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.